Bid Clips presents Today in Trades, all things sales, technology, and success for entrepreneurs in the home and business service industry. I'm your host, Jim Evans. All right, let's do this. Um, welcome to Today in Trades, brought to you by Bid Clips. We have a special guest on our show today. He's actually the co-founder and CEO, or as we call the MF CEO, of bid clips and uh, he's joining us today we're going to talk about kind of a gamut of things um primarily follow-ups and the power of follow-ups in the service industry and you know first of all let's talk about our guest austin um uh, i'm going to tell you i'm going to talk about you first okay he's, good. A, dear, he's <laughs> a dear friend uh he's a uh, he's the co-founder of bid clips um he's fearless people have called him intimidating people say he looks like elon musk all of these things are true <laughs> is that a compliment I said intimidating this morning right she before did. you yep. got on, so. in a good way in a good way uh, but the truth is he is kind he's a, a great guy he cares about our industry cares about um everybody around him he just is, he's a great leader great ceo i mean that um i've had the chance to be his friend for a while while now and i know that because i was digging up some dirt for this podcast and oh, uh, and i found a little picture um here let me just share it on the screen if those of you aren't watching the podcast um that's okay i'm going to describe what we're looking at here so uh hey austin what is what's this image that we're we're looking at right here oh uh, <clears throat> that's um from my birthday when uh jim iced me uh probably like eight nine times what is that um, so so for those of you not not watching the, the episode um he's kneeling with flip-flops um it looks like plaid plaid shorts probably bought at old navy or the gap a bright red collared shirt he's in way better shape than he is now and he's drinking a smirnoff ice uh, is smirnoff ice your favorite beer austin um, no, I actually don't really enjoy it. It's quite sugary and uh, very difficult to drink quickly, um, ah, ah, which yes. I had to do many, many unfortunate times. So then why were you drinking that, that beer, um, if we want to call it that? Well, so, so what happens? How, how does icing work? Well, I, it's, a, it's an event from long ago um, where you take a Smirnoff ice and hide it somewhere in a house, outside, uh, in a duffel bag, in a golf bag, in your shoes. Um, and uh, the person that hides it doesn't go looking for it. And then uh, when someone finds it, they, they have to get down on one knee and, uh, and drink it as fast as they can. And so, I am not very good at drinking it that fast. Sure. So for, for our industry, it's kind of like shotgunning, um, you know, where we drink real beer. Um, are, are you, are you, you know, you look like you're drinking it pretty proudly there. Were you pretty proud to drink a Smirnoff ice? <laughs> Um, I think I was just more laughing at the absurdity of what was happening that day. So I don't know if it was pride or just laughing on the insides about what was going on at that moment. So the well, person that finds it has to drink it? Yes, the person that finds it has to drink it. So why would you look for it if you're the one that's going to have to drink it? Oh, you don't look for it. You want to avoid looking for it. So oh, I get it. I get it. I get you it. want to look out for it, right? You got it. Is there a space here where I'm about to open something? I'm going to walk into a trap. Got it. And so I had, I had snuck away to a, uh, to a liquor store, if you call it that, uh, maybe a grocery store. And uh, in, we were in New Jersey, and uh, I planted probably... 23 of them around the house because um, Austin's pretty like he's a com more competitive as friends and he's a competitive guy uh, which is what makes him great at business but it's also makes him a great friend because you can always try to beat him at stuff and um, we I planted probably 20 yeah 22 probably so I guarantee you somewhere in your your parents home there are more spin off ices I don't I think your mom would probably just throw it in the trash so full disclosure for those of you that are like why are they talking about Smirnoff ice I thought this was a trade podcast it is because it's so humiliating I mean you're never gonna find a glass guy you know at a pub drinking a Smirnoff ice however with that being said I was really hoping on the episode to ice Austin Casey again in front of everyone for the world to see and hear well thanks to the quarantine that's kind of impossible to get within six feet of anybody so i thought you know what we're probably going to be quarantined for a while what kind of gift could i give austin so what i did was 
this same ice that I've been waiting to plant on him for the last <laughs> probably six months, uh, I have it right here. Uh, and since we're not in a studio, we're all broadcasting from our freaking homes and the world's probably going to hell in a handbasket, I'm going to drink this ice while we do the podcast because that's how much I care about our guests today. So um, <laughs> enough about Smirnoff Ice. They are not an official sponsor and they never will be ever <laughs> or we will lose listeners. Um, that's, uh, that's where we're at. So enough about ice. Uh, we wanted to give you a little background of Austin just as a person. It's, uh, it's fun to tease him. Um, and so here we are today. Um, what are we doing here? Austin, first of all, you heard my little introduction for you, my bromance, but you tell me, how did you end up in the sea trend today? Give us a little bit of background from you professionally of how you got here. Yeah, so I... Um... I moved out here to Montana, um, geez, it's going on seven years now, and uh, was uh, doing some consulting at the time, and I ran into Jim here playing soccer. Um, I, uh, I used to be uh, athletic and thin when I ran track um, and kind of fast, um, and so we, uh, we just hit it off as friends, and he had the business service station, and we got to talking about it, and uh, you know, I ended up taking a look at it, and finding ways that we could uh, help make it uh, more efficient, approve operations, improve the technology. Um, and then uh, I guess probably a year or two later, we were sitting in the stone of accord together um, talking about, and Jim turned to me and said, Hey, I'd love to be able to, you know, grow service station, but also expand into, you know, services that aren't just auto glass. And uh, so we kind of looked around the space and talked about the sales process in the service industry and said, Hey, you know, we think there's an opportunity here. Uh, to create uh, a really cool sales platform and uh, and and get some you know great penetration into not just auto glass but flat glass and uh, and other concepts around the uh, the trades industry and so you know we kicked it off and here we are going on three years later still plugging along and uh, gaining momentum and it's uh, it's been a fun ride we've had a I'll put in a lot of work and a lot of effort but uh, that's how we ended up here. Um, my background, I, I am come from a financial background, so I do tend to lean on you know number heavy ideas. Um, I tend to do a lot of data analysis, um, and uh, and that's going to be the main topic of today is uh, not only follow up, but how can you use data and uh, what are we seeing in the results of our follow up to uh, to uh, use data in order to be able to make decisions around when to follow up, how to follow up, uh, and those types of things topics so. all right thank you that's awesome um not as awesome as this smirnoff tastes <laughs> how's that taste? but happy birthday and christmas and quarantine mm. oh god happy sorry smirnoff I, I, I know they probably do good things as a company but you're, this is terrible uh <laughs> the stone of accord is a pub where i think he actually ordered a jameson maybe even a guinness so he you know i just got to give austin some credit that the ice is not a preferable preferable drink of our company. Not something I would choose, that's for sure. No, and he does an understatement. I mean, everybody, he uh, he brings so many talents. So my grandpa said, don't ever partner with someone unless they can bring money you can't get a hold of or they bring a skill set that you can't acquire. I think that's important for our listeners. If you have partners, you're looking for partners, really try to focus on what you do best. Those of you that know me, I kissed math bye-bye years ago. Um, customer <laughs> service, podcasts, you know, getting Mickey pumped up about life. That's what I do. Austin um, also does those things, um, but he does a great job of, of breaking down a business, um, breaking down the numbers of a business, uh, how many times we see businesses live and die by just knowing your numbers. He, it's fantastic. So he's going to deliver a lot for us um, over the coming years. Um, before we dive into those results, um, let's talk a little bit more about Big Clips. You alluded to it. Um, tell us about Big Clips, the tool, the company. Um, and how it can help listeners. Uh, they make this podcast possible. Um, what is it? Yeah, so uh, BitClips is a uh, sales platform, uh, primarily a sales platform for the home and service uh, industries. We focus on giving customers the best experience possible. Uh, you know, customer experience is really a buzzword at this time. Uh, it's been used for, geez, I don't know, probably a decade now. And, and how do you really focus on the customer and give them a good experience? Um, and I think in the home and service industries, 
home and auto service industries, it's, it's easy to get lost in the operations a little bit and say, if I run a good operation, I'm uh, guaranteed to run uh, a good and profitable, profitable business. And I think that can be true um, if you do run a tight operation, but then you always have to ask yourself, could there be more? Um, and so our platform is focused on that more aspect. Uh, how do we take that sales process, that upfront customer experience, and how do we bid clips as a company through the years of learnings at Service Station um, and the years of uh, customer whispering that Jim has done, uh, create this uh, platform that allows shops to deliver a premier customer experience with, uh, with, with little effort. Um, and then they can take that customer experience and turn it into repeat customers, uh, turn it into long accounts, turn it into, uh, you know, really great sales and hopefully increase their, you know, overall top line. And then if you're uh, increasing your top line and as well as running an efficient operation, you, uh, you, uh, you win. Um, and so that's our goal is to, is to help shops and providers out there uh, win, uh, especially given this, uh, this current difficult time. Um, so. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, so for those of you that, that want to know more about that, uh, bidclips.com. Um, I understand we also have a bid blog, um, a blog, some blog posts and posts specifically around this topic we're going to talk about today. Where do we go to, to read that and to consume that? Yeah, so you can, um, you can get to the uh, blog via our website. Um, so just go to bidclips.com and uh, search for the link to the blog and you can uh, click on the blog. I would say the URL here, but um, it's uh, <laughs> it's gonna be long. It's you know, www.bidblog. Uh, no, no, this is the service industry. You start with HTTPS colon. <laughs> colon is the button um, in the top right. That's why, <laughs> Mickey, that's why Mickey and I are here. We're gonna, keep, uh, we're gonna keep this real listeners to the non-tech savvy. Our tech is with our hands right here. So Austin <laughs> helps make that tech technology also so great introduction please go check out the blog for sure and uh notes on this podcast if you like so um i'm gonna have uh so, so mickey's gonna kind of guide and ask some of these questions around follow-ups um and we're gonna dive in uh there's a couple key parts of this industry i'm talking everything carpet cleaning um remodeling, flooring, uh, window washing. It doesn't really matter. The service industry, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit for profit and for growth. Um, but before we dive into that specific topic of follow-ups, um, what else have you seen in this space? What surprised you about service coming in from, um, from a, a different kind of industry? Because sometimes that fresh set of eyes teaches us a lot. What have you seen um, just starting at that kind of high level? Well, you know, one of the first things I did, uh, actually one of the first things that we did is we sat down and, and we did uh, what's called an empathy map of the entire customer journey, right? Again, as a platform, we're focused on the customer experience, the customer journey. And that's why, you know, in bid clips, when you, you know, guide your ISRs or when you guide a customer, it's called a journey template. It's the template for the journey that you need to guide everyone on. And so I guess when we went through that empathy map, I was really surprised at how many opportunities there are for improvements in the industries, right? As a consumer, as you sit back and you think about getting service yourself, um, there's a couple things that pop up. One, it's a very complex industry with a lot of moving parts and a lot of moving variables. Um, it's not something that can be done you know, virtually, it has to be, it's a, it's an on-site uh, type of work. You need to have your hands, you need to have a location, whether it be the customer's location or whether it be uh, your own shop. Um, and in that complexity, there's a lot of opportunities for efficiency gains and a lot of opportunities for improvements on how uh, to interact with customers, how to, you know, deliver better service, et cetera. So um, through that empathy map, it just, it was very revealing to um, the efforts that all of our providers and shops put in uh, on a day-to-day -day basis to run their operations. Um, and then as well as the sort of lack of use of technology to make some of these uh, areas better. And, and then, you know, the second leap that I made was I said, okay, what, what is, what does this industry look like? Um, who am I, who am I, uh, who am I talking to, you know, Oh, looks like we lost him for a second there. <laughs> cool. Well, we'll be editing this part out. Maybe not. Maybe we could just talk about it. Well, that was cool. Glad to know that this, the industry is going well. Um, he'll be dialing back in here shortly. 
Zoom's been acting weird that way. I yeah. think it's because the Yesterday, whole entire world is using Zoom for everything. I think so too. All right, we are back again. Um, that damn Carol Baskins uh, just somehow crashed Austin's computer. For those of you that don't know what that is, that's the uh, that's the lady on Tiger King. Holy balls, Tiger King is awesome. Uh, so computer restarted. You know, this is the downside of trying to do a podcast with freaking COVID-19 all up in our business. So uh, computers restarted. Austin is back with us again. What a great podcast we had going. So let's pick it right back up where we left off. Continue, Austin. Yeah, so uh, sorry about that. I um, The virus is getting everybody. Um, my computer actually doesn't have a virus. We don't use that word in the computer world, Jim. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Carol Baskin is a virus. <laughs> she came over and ran over and hit the button. Actually, you haven't watched the show. <laughs> Um, so I think I need to pick up, uh, pick that one up here. Uh, whenever my three kids all under the age of five, let us breathe a little bit. So yeah, for real, but, yeah. plus the whole world's using zoom at the same time. So you just, you know, we got to give it a little grace here. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what I was talking about was, you know, you, you had asked Jim, what were the things that I found that, you know, surprised me or that I, you know, uncovered within looking at the service industry. And I think when you and I went through that empathy mapping exercise, and then, you know, I was talking about how the next step was to look at this, you know, profile of who are service providers, right? And, and, uh, and, and one of the things that shocked me that I, I, I brought to your attention and to the attention of, uh, you know, some of our um, other constituents is that, Service providers, well, A, I think everyone knows that there's the four to one uh, for every uh, four that retire, only one is replacing them. So there is there is a, a dearth um, of, of talent out there and there, there's a real need. Um, and then the second piece was that, you know, there is that many that are retiring. And, and when I did a, an out, when I went to the U.S. Bureau of Labor and Statistics and said, you know, service workers compared to, you know, the average age of service workers compared to other service, uh, other industries out there, they're the second oldest behind U.S. postal workers. So, you know, you look at this and you're like, you know, we have this, we have this wage, we have this labor gap um, that's getting worse. And then you have, you know, all of these service providers that are reaching retirement age and there's no one to come up behind them and, uh, and do this work and replace it. So, you know, there has to be a couple things that need to happen. There has to be some efficiency gains. Um, we have to get younger people interested in the trades. We have to show that it's a, uh, a, a, pro a, a profitable, uh, industry that you don't have to spend your life doing and not make anything and not have a retirement and uh, demonstrate how technology can help uh, improve everyone's life all around. Um, and so I think that I think that when we set out on this journey, you know, that was another one of our goals um, and uh, and is to is to bring in youth and to and to demonstrate that uh, it doesn't have to be the way that it was for so long. So, yeah, I think that's great. My husband and I talk about that all the time because he's in the auto industry as well. He's an automotive painter and um, he talks about that all the time about how when his generation and the generation, you know, before him, when they leave, I mean, there are just no young kids out of high school that are coming into his industry looking for work. And it's going to I mean, who's going to take over all of those jobs if nobody's trying to get into them? And, um, I mean, it's, I think it's a big problem in a lot of industries. Yeah. And you know, there's two sides to that because as a, you know, our industries, we, we just complain about it. Well, there's no youth coming up. Well, that's not the answer. You know, I mean, the answer then to Austin's point is, well, what kind of efficiencies we all know that we waste time and, and we waste resources. Mm -hmm. We, some of us don't have the education or the, the resources to, to try to get efficient. And more importantly, we're always so, so busy, you know, I'm, I'm just tired of hearing how busy we were. And with the COVID stuff, we're, you know, you better be busy. We better be busy making our businesses better. And with that, um, 
man, if you're, if you guys are listening and you're kind of like, man, should I be a postal worker or get into the trades? I'm going to tell you the trades are probably a little more long-term <laughs> lucrative. So, uh, you know, I just, you know, not, not crapping on postal workers. You know, I love them all except for ours because the, he doesn't like us and the dog chased him away, but that's another podcast for another time. Um, go into the trades. If you're listening to this, this call, this uh, session and you're thinking, man, I, you know, holy cow, this world is going to be so much different. There is stuff to do after this all gets mm-hmm. over. There are buildings to maintain that are only growing, populations only growing. And with this whole situation, what a chance to start over, to learn something. If you're sitting at home right now playing um, Call of Duty, hop over, watch some some YouTube videos, podcasts, betterment videos. But this, what we're doing here, we are showing you that there is an opportunity for somebody like Austin Casey to come out of New York to come out of Villanova Business School and intern to the trades says there's clearly a market here. Um, so, you know, Mickey, I know you, uh, you probably have some questions about Austin, so you can dive in and fire at him here um, before we move into the, the meet. Yeah, Austin, I mean, I don't know you very well, and um, I'm guessing most of our listeners don't either. So I'm kind of wondering what your background is, you know, where you grew up, what your parents did for a living. And if that kind of influenced where you are now in life and what you chose as your career path. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, my dad has always been a serial entrepreneur. He, um, he has an interesting background. Um, you know, I like to give him a lot of props here and there, especially cause he's been so supportive of Jim and I in this venture. And, uh, and interestingly enough, he, um, he, uh, He's done a number of ventures and uh, eventually landed on, he, uh, he runs a computer IT consulting firm and, and they do software development. Um, and uh, one of his early projects uh, was actually in the Wall Street space. And um, he, uh, his early project was in the uh, computer world, Smithsonian, um, I think it, the piece of code is still there, um, museum as the, one of the first examples of cloud computing in, in 1989. Um, so yeah, so yeah, so he's a, he's a special guy, he's a unique guy and, um, and, uh, he's been really supportive, uh, of this venture. And, um, so, you know, my mom is, a is a lovely, lovely woman and, um, my, you know, she works very, very hard. My brother, my youngest brother actually has cerebral palsy. Um, and so as the, you know, a stay at home mom of That's three kids, yeah, it's a full-time job with your, you know, who has a husband who's working a lot, starting his own businesses. So she, um, she put herself through a lot. And, um, and I think just, you know, I come from a, my dad's one of 11. So I come from a very large Irish Catholic family and, uh, and we all just have this strong work ethic. You know, we'll, we'll, we, uh, even if, you know, no matter what the circumstances, good, bad, or otherwise, we're always going to be working and pushing through it and grinding. And I think that that mm-hmm. has really instilled a lot of values in me um, and, and my siblings and the rest of my family. Um, so, yeah, and then, you know, coming out of high school, I actually wanted to be a doctor. My favorite, uh, my favorite uh, subjects, my favorite number one subject is chemistry, followed quickly by biology. Uh, so I don't do that. I didn't go into that, but what I do to uh, satiate the need to do chemistry is cook. I cook a lot, um, so I really enjoy cooking because it's a, you know it reminds me of a chemistry process. Uh, and then you know my dad was a bio major, so he went pre med, and then him and I had a conversation, and I'll never forget it. You know I ran track throughout college, and we were standing by a track, and he said. Uh, just go into business and then you can hire the people that you need um, to do the skills that you need. So that's the path I took. I went to Villanova Business School, um, graduated with two majors and a minor there, one in finance, one in accounting, and then a minor in entrepreneurship. And then um, took the traditional path, left, went to Wall Street, worked for Morgan Stanley in corporate strategy for five years. And you know, as I sat there and was you know looking at the work that I was doing, it's a lot of building spreadsheets and, and coming to your boss and saying, here's my recommendation for the business and this is why. And there's a lot of justification and building presentations and, and all, all these, uh, these efforts that never felt like I was actually building anything. You know, you do a lot of work, but you're not building something. 
Mm-hmm. And so I just had this itch that I felt like I needed to scratch. And I think a lot of our listeners probably feel that need to use their hands and to build something and to contribute in a way that's not so um, intangible. So I needed a, you know, something tangible. So I, so I left, um, you know, uh, I didn't actually leave for that exact purpose. Uh, Brenda, my wife, she uh, wanted to go back, come back to Montana. So we came back to Montana while I was here, you know, I did some consulting and, you know, kind of milled around figuring out exactly, you know, what's the next, the next path is going to be. And then that, you know, leads us back in the beginning of the story where we talked to Jim about, you know, met him playing soccer, et cetera. And then that right. gave me the opportunity to, you know, build something. And here we are building. And create bin clips. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, you're well, not, so you're, so you're more of the tech side and the financial side, whereas um, a lot of the people that, um, bid clips works with is the um, labor side and the shop side yeah i I would say that i um you know I can look at a process or look at a business and figure out how to model it. I think that's right. probably my and then I if you can one figure can't out really work without the other, you have to have them you know together to to make a successful company. I think that's really important. Wait, you mean driving around and just chasing the noise isn't modeling a, a business? So <laughs> basically, that was, a, that was a really amazing way of saying we have a valuable setup here. Those of you that are listening, yeah, driving around definitely. in your van, um, we need to hone in on some of this mind share. And, and Big Clips is a company that is, is split really nicely. We have everyone on our mm-hmm. team that have put in shower enclosures, auto glass, um, the work. We've also put in the time for the brain power. And so I'm excited for Austin to dive into some of that um, skill set that he has. Because let's be honest, everyone listening, other than going to our accountant once a quarter, maybe for most right. of us and then hoping we're profitable, that's not going to work. It's not going to work. So it's time to look at our businesses and what we thought would be best in this podcast is to actually go straight to what's the first area with the most like ROI sitting there and that's follow-ups. And, and Jim, I, Jim, for um, people uh, like me that are not um, in the industry, what is an ROI? Hmm. Oh my gosh, I sound smart finally. That's a return on investment. There you go. You know, in, in the trades, guys, we put time in. We don't value it. You know, I'll do, we'll do a trade for 10 years. Maybe we have a high school education, but we don't see that time as valuable. And something that's important is what are we putting our time into and is it creating value for us? Yes, on this call, most of us aren't doing this for the money. We do it to take care of people. We care about people, we care about our trade. But we also need to be able to retire. We need to be able to have a business that stands on its own. It needs to be able to be passed on or sold. That's why this podcast is for entrepreneurs. We need to be able to move the young people into this is a great job. And for those of you starting a business, or you're going to start a business because you got laid off because of COVID, this is the stuff we need, you need to be thinking about as you set up your career early on. So I'm going to take a sip again for Charlene because Austin telling me his background, his mother is amazing. So I'm going to take a drink for Charlene. Hmm. God, this is terrible. And, uh, and um, so still drinking my Smirnoff for those of you that just joined us on the podcast. <laughs> I don't know why you joined halfway in, but that's cool. Um, so now let's dive into follow-up. So we feel like follow-ups, I mean, some, there's a hundred ways to make this industry better, but follow-ups. We have come off of five years of a strong industry. I started my career back after a little thing called the recession in 2000. Well, I started it before that, but I really took my roots about 2006 to 2011. I was in homes, doing estimates, making sales, putting in shower enclosures, installing windshields, although I sucked at it. So they moved me to sales and uh, <laughs> I'm doing, I'm doing this work. And I'm going to tell you guys, I loved to be a salesperson. I loved being an estimator. I love solving problems, but I'm as guilty as anybody listening to this four out of 10 jobs didn't ever get closed. And then they would sit in a file. In fact, I'm so old that I had one of those metal little, you know, it's like, it's a metal portfolio that all of us have. We put our work orders in and we put a little pen in and we carry it in our vans. Like most of our listeners probably still use it. They're like, what are you talking about? That's my laptop. Well, I would take those and I'd put the, I put the missed sales into that thing and it would come back to the office. I'm like, Oh, I'll call. I'm going to call and check up on that customer. A day would pass couple days. Well, now it's awkward. I'm like, well, I don't want to call them. You know, I, I, I told them I'd call them back. I didn't. And they end up just creating this stack and nod your head in your van. If you're listening to this and you know, you have a stack, 
of unsold jobs. And I bet you a Smirnoff, everybody, that you are saying to yourself, well, they went somewhere else because of price. Well, Mickey, let's talk about what it's like being a consumer on the other they side. They probably went somewhere else because they didn't get a phone call back from from them with either an estimate or just a follow-up call back. I know as me for me, um, you know, being a mom of three boys, I'm so busy that if I take the time out of my day to call and get a quote from somewhere, I'm not going to have the time to call them back because most likely I'm going to forget or I've already made that call and I've probably called a couple of places because I want the best price or the best service. And so I leave it on them and whoever's going to call me back and give me the best service and get me, you know, the information that I need and put in the time, that's who I'm going to go with because I know that that company is going to take care of me. But if I don't ever hear from them again, I'm going to forget I even called them. Fascinating. So, and how, and how I mean, many times, how many people will you call sometimes to get an estimate, like on a big project? Um, I, I mean, a few, you know. I mean, we had to get our water heater replaced um, probably six months ago. You know, that's a pretty expensive thing. I think we spent like $1,400 on it. And, um, you know, that's, that's a lot of money for, for us. And for most people, I think that's a lot of money. Um, so I probably called six or seven places. Um, and you know, I want to know who's coming into my home because I have three children, like I said, and, um, I want to know that I'm not getting ripped off and that they're, uh, along the same price as the rest of them. You know, it's not like I went with the cheapest one um, just because it was the cheapest. I want to know that I'm getting the best service um, and a good price as well. So what I'm hearing from you, and I know you pretty well, um, you weren't just scared about that $1,400 number, right? No. That wasn't the biggest, that that wasn't the the entire package. Secondly, you weren't going to scream at the person that called you back to just check in, right? And thirdly, how many of them texted you or emailed you or hit you in any other form other than a phone call? Two. Two. <laughs> and did you purchase from one of them or not? It's okay yes. if you didn't. You did. Okay. Yes. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, and so. And then, yeah. and then um, probably three weeks later, um, I was over at my neighbor's house right across the street and we're just, you know, having a glass of wine and visiting. And she starts telling me how her water heater, hot water heater has been taking a dump and they haven't had, she hasn't had a shower in two days because it just, it's, it's on the fritz. And I said, that's crazy. I, we just replaced ours. Our houses are built at the same time. We're in the same neighborhood. And she's like, I cannot get a hold of anybody. And I said, let me text this guy right now because he left me his cell phone number and see if he can come out. He was at her house 30 minutes later looking at her water heater. Fantastic. And so by doing the one text follow-up, he got 20, presumably $2,800. Yeah. And then, you know, that guy and, and let alone that's a text from his phone. I mean, you probably didn't get a video. You didn't get like explaining Mm -hmm. that he's safe, that he's going to keep your house from disease, the things that it's going to take to just get into people's homes. That's another Mm -hmm. podcast topic. So Thank you for sharing that. That's a great insight. Sometimes in this space, we get all nerdy about our businesses. Um, it's so good to hear from real customers. And, um, and so let's dive in, Austin. Let's get into some of the, the numbers. Let's get into that topic of follow-up from what you have seen. Because I wanted to address how I feel as a, as a service provider. Uh, Mickey just laid out how she feels as a customer. But you know what? Feeling is the most important in making decisions. However, we sometimes don't step back. We don't have the data we don't know the data, and then we think we know the data, but we really don't. And that's the worst. That's the hardest to overcome. So take it away on follow-ups. What, is, what, what have you seen from your perspective? You know, I think, uh, I think Mickey's, uh, you know, when I listen to Mickey, um, if, you, if you go and read our, our first blog post here on, on follow-up, then we're going to have another one coming out, uh, you know, focusing on the data and maybe even turn it into a white paper that has some really interesting charts and graphs and results that we're seeing from, from our follow-up processes. But, uh, you know, in that first post, one thing we talked about, we, we, we talked about the power of follow-up and we had six main powers uh, lumped into three categories. And the first category was building relationships. You know, um, that, that idea that a follow-up really built, cements the relationship uh, because it, it gives you uh, an opportunity to do two things. One, um, you know, 
Mickey's going through a challenging time. She maybe has a lot of questions. Maybe she's a little scared. She doesn't know what the price is going to be. She doesn't know what the price means. Um, and I think, you know, in our first podcast with Abel talking about customer service, he mentioned empathy. And empathy is, is paramount to everything that, that is done in the service industry. Um, and so, you know, it builds that relationship. So that text message or that phone call or that email is that follow-up gives you an opportunity to, again, address that customer's concern with empathy. And that builds that relationship. And then the second piece to that is um, exactly what Mickey said. They demonstrated a caring towards her. She knew that she'd be taken care of. And that strengthens that relationship by saying, I know that this service provider, you are in at the, I am at the forefront of your mind, right? You may be busy, you may be installing, but you know, when you get back to your home, when you get back to your truck, when you get back to your shop, you sit down and think about, you know, me as a customer that has been struggling or that needs something addressed and you take the time to reach out and that demonstrates a level of caring that helps really build and cement those relationships. Um, and, and I think that that's, those are two immensely powerful things about uh, follow-up that are not so data-driven, but um, are more, uh, are more uh, intangibly based. You know, it's, it's about the feeling of the service that you're receiving, that customer experience. So it, it, it's- Hugely, yeah. So I'm, I'm listening and I'm a provider. I, I'm a flooring guy or a carpet cleaner. What if you don't know what to say? What if you don't know how to say it? What are some things you can do to get um, follow-ups to happen, to get over that, that bridge? Well, I think, I think you, can do, um, you can do a number of things, right? There are uh, a lot of resources out there, right, that you can go to and you can say, okay, how are other people doing uh, follow-ups? You know, there's plenty of email programs um, that, will, that will give you uh, a language that you can put into a follow-up or into an email um, that you could send out automatically, or you could send out a text message automatically. So for example, in BidClips, what we do is, you know, we, we have the ability to build a follow-up process where we can send out emails or text messages um, periodically. Uh, you know, we, we typically right now for the one hour, one day, seven day, 30 day uh, a process, and, um, and then it's said for you, right? And you give the customer a call to action. And I think that's the most important thing is when you're, when you're calling a customer or reaching back out to a customer, you have to remember that what you are is a, is a storyteller. Um, and in any great story, right, you have five pieces to a story. You have an introduction, you have a rising action, you have a climax, you have a falling action, and you have, uh, have the, the conclusion. So what follow-up really is, is it's what happens after you deliver a price. So if you're building up your value, building up your value, you know, talking to the customer, you've made a great introduction, and then, you know, you get to the climax and you say, here's the price, and then you stop, it's very hard to get to that conclusion. It's very hard, you know, you're, you, by, by saying, I gave the price, that's it, it's now on the customer, you, you lose that, that falling action that we do, that we call follow-up, which is that process of taking that price and, and pushing, the, you know, I shouldn't say pushing, guiding the customer um, to the conclusion that you want, which is a, a closed sale. And if you approach it from that perspective, then you'll naturally know what to say. Pretend that you're telling your story to your kids, right? Sit down with your wife and say, what is my value, right? And this is the, the second category. You know, the second category of the power of follow-up is you give your value proposition. So if you can sit down next to your friend or next, down to your, ne next to your wife or to your kids and say, as a service provider, this is the value that I bring to you, then that's all that you need. And that's really what it comes down to is you being able to communicate across to them what your value is. And you can do that in many forms. You could do that through a direct phone call. You could do that through a, uh, through a, an automated email. You could do that through an automated text message or even a canned message. You know, um, that's one thing that again, in our platform that we do is, is give you that opportunity to, uh, to follow up automatically. That's so um, powerful. That's so powerful. To explain to the listeners what a canned message, um, what that is. 
Yeah, so it would be something that you pre-created, right? So if you aren't so certain that you can speak right in the, in a moment, right, you could create, you know, in our platform, you can say, okay, I want to message this customer, and you can have a pre-selected set of messages that are loaded up that you can then send across without having to retype it. Saving um, a ton of time, it sounds like, yeah. Yeah. And this creates consistency. What you said was really powerful. So I want everyone to, to <clears throat> listen up and hear that a little bit more. We have secretaries, we have this stuff. And I hear so many times, well, I tell them to do it. How do you hold them accountable? How do you, it's my, it's my wife. It's my, my mother-in-law is my secretary, you know, and that's, and that's true. How do you do it? Well, you know, again, that's, there are programs out there. BidClips has it interlaced and that's create some automation, uh, write it one way as an owner, and then make sure that that is the message that goes out to everybody, whether it's through email or through text. And that's a really powerful thing Austin just said. If you don't have your story, reach out to us, reach out to your marketer, reach out to, to your SEO provider, help them help you write a story about your business. You know, some of the best service providers I know, they do a fantastic job, but they're sometimes really humble. If you're listening to this call and you're, we're all pretty humble in this industry, but it, but they're not proud to like talk about themselves. So it's hard to talk about yourself. Have your friend, have your family uh, call one of us. We'll help you help you to write a story about your business. Um, because once you have that down to what Austin said, it's easier to then take that and then send it back out. So whether that's a little YouTube video or you talk about what you can do, uh, bullet points, et cetera. So, um, Dig into the resources. This is going to be very important moving forward. The other thing that Mickey didn't touch on, and it's important, is that, Mickey, do you sometimes just have to, like, budget for a service? I mean, every time you call to get a price, do you just immediately buy? No. Yeah, we definitely have to um, budget for, I mean, for everything, you know, and, and we have to have that little... Um, hopefully we have a little bit of savings to do the stuff like that. You know, we, our washing machine went out last year and it took us three weeks to be able to get the money, you know, saved up to be able to um, replace it. When, like I said, I have three kids. I mean, it was insane. The amount of laundry that had built up <laughs> by that time. Um, so, so yeah, you definitely have to, you can't just buy the cheapest one. You need one that's going to work. Um, and, and, so. if it takes, and if it takes three weeks, everybody, then you really need to make sure you have a follow-up that gets to Mickey on week two, you know, mm -hmm. um, and week three. And worst case scenario, Mickey just texts back. I had it taken care yeah. of. The other guy was yeah. nicer. He didn't smell as bad as you did. I'm just kidding. But I mean, you never know the reasons. It's not always price. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's that's fantastic. So, um yeah. Wow. Follow-ups. I'll interject here, Jim, a little bit. You know, there's a, there's this idea that price is the deciding factor. Um, and really it's actually value. That's the deciding factor. And when I, and I, I said, you know, make sure you define your value proposition, but what value really is, is what you bring, um, for that price. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so I maybe have the same price as the guy next to me, but I have a little bit more of something, right? Like I, I, I do just something a little bit differently or a little bit better. It's like that secret sauce that really drives your business forward. Um, and, and it's important that you're talking to the right people when you're talking about your value, right? So if you, if you sit there and you say, okay, here's my price and here's the value that I bring with it. You know, if we, if we look at Mickey and I asked her, you know, who in your, home makes the decision at the end of the day. She'd probably say, well, it's a combination of my husband and I, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably common for most people. Is that, is that correct, Mickey? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, 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 you know, when we look at personas of consumers, there's this, there's, there's, you know, different ideas, right? There's the buyer, there's the decider, you know, the, the, the buying process goes through, you know, five to six different buying personas. And, and in small transactions, when you're buying a book, you're both the buyer and the decider. You write the check and you, and you make that decision. What makes service so complex is that you, you can have multiple deciders, or maybe you have one decider. Maybe at the end of the day, you know, Mickey has that one decision-making process. She says, I like Jim the best. I'm going with Jim. And her husband says, okay, I will write the check, right? Mickey's the decider. Her husband's the buyer. But in a lot of these, it's a really complex back and forth decision-making process. And that process just takes time. Um, and it's that idea of staying in front of people with your value proposition and being in front of the right person with the right message, talking to that decider. Um, 
making sure that you're checking off all the boxes on their needs uh, that will that will really win you jobs. And that's what follow-up does. It gives you that opportunity to once again get in front of that that deciding person um, so that you can you can win that job. And and with yeah. a reason proposition. Yeah. Speaking on that, I think it's, I think that's a huge part of why follow-ups are so important is that you can't always the, as a customer, just because I don't book that day that you gave me that price or even within that same week, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to have it done. That's why it's so important for companies to keep following up even weeks after because of all those different deciding factors like you were just talking about, you know, um, talking to your husband about it, deciding what's the best type of, you know, um, thing that you're going to, that you're going to choose. Like, like I said, the, the water heater, the, the washer and dryer, things like that. You know, there's all, there's so many different deciding factors that sometimes it does. And with just with, you know, people have busy lives, it does take, you know, two to three weeks sometimes. And so to have follow-ups keep coming even, oh, you know, in those two or three weeks, instead of just the, the very next day, I think that's super important as well. Absolutely. And let's talk about what's going to hit our listeners pretty heavy too. Um, if all of you sit down and maybe do this, write out the value that you've already invested in those missed opportunities. Mm-hmm. Just write that out. And then ask yourself as you're sitting here, as we are all sitting here, I commend all of you that are out on the front lines. I, you're, you're right in the middle of all of this. You're keeping our houses safe. You're fixing floods. You're doing mitigation. I can't thank you enough for putting yourself there. Um, but we are going to see a change in the way we do business. So if you're sitting here listening to the podcast and you are thinking to yourself, huh, I wonder how much I have. Go back to that stack. Go back, look at it. Reach out to a company like BidClips. Reach out to your uh, marketer, your, your, your advisor, your, your, your spouse, your, your manager, and figure out a way to say, look, can we go capture 10% of what's sitting here by simply just representing ourselves? I'm a huge fly fisherman, those of you that know. If, if you miss a fish on your first presentation, straight back in and represent the fly again. It doesn't mean you have to reinvent the wheel. It doesn't even mean that your product was bad. You, you don't, let's, let's be very clear here. Don't just assume it was price or they're just kicking the tires. You invested in most cases, 15, 20, 30 minutes. Well, Austin said earlier, one out of four, right? I mean, we're not replacing the workers. So you don't have time to go around and miss estimates anymore. And you certainly don't have time to not follow up on them. And so, again, I really encourage you to read Austin's blog, uh, read the white paper. I know it's a lot, some bathroom reading. You might want to just read on your phone while you're doing your business. But it's so important to value it, to look at the numbers. Man, so many times I've made terrible business decisions because I was going off of feeling and I wasn't going off of fact and I wasn't going off of what really is the truth. And so, again, if you need help telling a story, get help. If you need help valuing it. But, you know, I know most of you are sitting there right now with your little laptop, your little, you know, uh, my little binder, and you've got some quotes in there. So, um, yeah, we really encourage you guys to take this seriously to all of us take this seriously. Um, not just for our, our businesses. These are entrepreneurs. We're entrepreneurs. We're trying to grow our service business, but more importantly, do it for Mickey, do it for the customers, do it for the people that are, that liked you actually really appreciated you, but then just forgot about you. Don't be forgotten. So, Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. And Austin in you in Austin in bid clips, um, you know, a lot of a lot of uh shops just get too busy, like Jim was saying, to to be able to sit down and make that phone call or do that follow-up. But in bid clips, a nice thing is that you can just automate all of those. Is that correct? Yep, correct. And it's already set up for you. Yeah, correct. It comes set up and then um, you can change it. You can ask us to modify it. Um, you can add more follow-ups, less follow-ups. You know, it's as a, as a customizable platform. It's it's really up to you to to use it to whatever power you really want to. Um, and and you know, I think that that that's a nice segue into saying, okay, well, if I want to set up this follow-up process or I want to have follow-ups, you know, it really it, it's nice to say, okay, well. I think the next question that most people ask is, well, I understand that they're needed. I I get it, right? And Jim Mm -hmm. asked a great question. What if you don't know what to say? Um, And I think the next questions after that are, 
well, when do I follow up? You know, how much is too much? Am I bothering the customer? Do they, are they not engaging with me? Um, what's the best method? And, 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 you know, is it a phone call? Is it a text message? Is it an email? Um, and, and those are some of the more data-driven driven questions that, uh, that we're also looking to answer here. And, and most importantly, we're parents, you know, Mickey and I are parents and when Austin's a parent, your kids have not heard you till they say, yeah, I got it, dad. And we think that our one little email probably went to, 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 to trash, by the way, our one little email they got. I'm sorry, we're in a world where Amazon emails me probably 10 times a day. I'm okay with it because I, I like Amazon. So if you're and now we're in a world problem. where our kids teachers email us 10 times a day because we're <laughs> yeah I mean, people now. do not hear you till they say I heard you thank you yep. unsubscribe they're not mad that so as a service industry we, we get so afraid of one call it's got to take 15 calls and what we found with some of our clients that have used our big clips and again this we're not just plugging big clips you find your follow-up process yeah we've made it easy big clips makes this show possible but follow-ups have to be done this is an industry problem and uh, and we have to be educated and that's what we're all about here at this podcast is to educate each uh, each episode we want to deliver something that will help your business will help you as you're driving around in the van we want you to listen to us and to connect with us um, we're really excited really excited to see what the future is going to look like and instead of trying to complain about people not coming into the industry let's do better with our industry and so unless you have some more questions for Austin Mickey this is a fan an unbelievable opportunity Austin's a very busy individual, um, and to take this time was really uh, important to us. And so, um, if any of you need anything, visit us at bidclips.com, and uh, and and we're always available for you. Do you guys uh, want some uh, quick numbers and quick facts here? Uh, yeah, you know we we love some awesome. uh, podcast, so we can uh, we can go through some of these uh, numbers here lately. Um, you should, anyways, because so, uh, I still have about. A tenth. I'm not good at math. I don't know if this is a tenth of the beer to finish of my beer of my Smirnoff ice. I have to finish. So yeah, I would love that actually. <laughs> okay. Well, um, so a uh, little interesting fact that we see. So um, you know, one of the pieces of data that we track is who books the actual uh, job. Does the customer book it online or does the provider book it? And uh, one thing that we notice is that if you give customers an online option to book a job they will book on average 1.5 days, really one to two days earlier than if they have to call you back or you call them. Um, and that's really wow. powerful. What that, right? what that means is that if you're out in the field, if you're writing things down on a piece of paper, you should always be thinking, I need to get this in, in front of the customer in a digital form. Um, because that process will get you down payments earlier, get you scheduled earlier. Imagine if you took every day in the year and got a job booked one day earlier. You could, you know, grow your business pretty significantly. Um, oh, that adds know. up. That adds up huge. I'll, I'll never forget my dad used to always say when we were growing up, one extra windshield, one just one extra job a day, and he would extrapolate that out to the year. Just one extra a day helps us to to beat our stretch goal. I mean, we're not talking like little chunks go a long way. So that was really an important concept. If you weren't um, paying attention that Austin just said that we, you don't have to go tackle the elephant by the horn. You take a few at a time. You make sure you get in front of them. You take every missed quote. You do it right there in your van if possible, or as soon as you can, you'll see an amazing amount of opportunity fill up your, your books. And you're saying Austin that, that the customers can, can book from their phones. Yeah, phones, computers. And pay. And, yeah, exactly. Book and pay, right? So that's what the bid clips process is, right? We give you that ability to, to book and pay from any device. And by doing that, by, you know, customers, you know, book a, a signif at a significant rate and they're booking earlier than if they're trying to call you back or you're trying to call them. And think about it. Uh, if I have the option to do it right here rather than call, I'll do it. And then not only that, if I do try and call or you try and call me, we play phone tag. Ooh, I don't recognize that number. I'm not going to pick that one up. I got a voicemail. Oh, I'll call them back. I'll call them back tomorrow, right? You have this back and forth that takes about 24 hours to get something booked. Whereas if you give them an immediate option, it happens immediately. And that saves you a day per job, which is, honestly, it's more than a day. It's closer to two, um, but it's, it's pretty significant. 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, and that's, and if you don't have, you know, and that's where you can leverage your local website. I mean, that's the nice thing about Big Cliffs. It lands on your website, right? There's, you can, you can leverage your own stuff to make this a possibility. People are going to take the path of least resistance. They don't want to call you either. I have PTSD trying to call a service company. I have to text my plumber. I'll leave him nameless. He will not pick up his phone. I don't like mm-hmm. that. Like, just make it easy for me to say, yes, I'm good with that. Thank you for the price. I appreciate you. It's not just new business, everybody. This is for repeat customers as well. So Austin, you've done studies on, on this through within bid clips, right? Like how much money would you say is um, left on the table in, in um, a lot of companies? Um, you know, I don't have a specific number. I don't have, a, I don't have a hard number. What I do know is that when, you know, when our customers do use the automated follow-up process that we have in place, um, they see a 12% increase in their sales. So, uh, on a million dollar shop, you know, that's $1,200, $120,000 annually, right? Um, on a $50,000 shop, you know, you're looking at, you know, six, uh, $6,000. So you are, you know, by not following up, you're, you know, leaving a pretty significant amount of your business on the table. And then if you throw in uh, phone call uh, callbacks, you know, you can see a 23% increase. So the combination of uh, phone calls and automated follow-ups is, uh, can have a, a significant impact to, to any business. Um, you know, my early, my early days, um, doing sales back, I spent more of my life in a recession than, than a boom or bull economy, everybody. So, uh, this is kind of my jam, right. To, to make it through and, and customers are really appreciate great service when things are tough. It's a good chance to really, really take care of people. We used to have to do a handwritten phone call log. And I used to just hate the term. You can book jobs on your third to fifth follow-up call back in the day. And I hated it. And, and you came out of Morgan Stanley, Austin, with your early career. You hear that all the time. It's the follow. It's the, the people that make it are the ones that will reach out three to five extra times on their leads. And I used to always just want to prove it wrong. But when I tracked it, when we tracked it, it's extremely true that it's not the first follow-up. It's not the second. Oftentimes, it's the third to the fifth. That's when people are like, they care enough about my business. And whether that was an outbound sales call or a missed shower enclosure in the field, an estimate, or just a, a price on an auto glass. I've done all of that. It's, it's true. We have to get in front of people. It doesn't mean you badger them. It just means if you care enough to check in a few times, you care enough about their business. I mean, I take it like you know, Austin and I are friends. And if I'm going to go um, have him over for dinner and he calls me and cancels like 10 minutes before, I don't just go, Oh, bummer. I immediately am like, Hey, what's going on, man? Are you okay? Is the family okay? What can I do to make this happen? Should we reschedule? I care enough to follow up. That's once. Yeah. I don't know. We're working through some, uh, we're figuring some stuff out with like the kids and childcare and stuff. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll check in with you. Hang up. And like 20 minutes later, I'm like, okay, what'd you end up finding out? about the childcare because I want to hang out with my friend. So if we'll do that with friends, if we will follow up two to five times to like make something good happen, why wouldn't we do that with our customers who for a lot of us, they are our friends, you know, your enemies certainly aren't buying your stuff. So you got to treat your customers like friends. You got to follow up. We got to stop seeing it like a a sales pitch or a pestering. It's a touch. It's a check-in. It's a, it's, I care enough about you that I'm not going to forget about you. So really good points. Um, and really good data. Thank you, Austin. That's, that's powerful stuff. And I didn't want to know the value of the number of missed sales in the last three years in, on service companies' desks. And we're always like, well, we're too busy. We're too busy. Well, are you busy with the most profitable work? Or are you just busy with the noisy work? Are you busy mm-hmm. with the customers that were worth earning their, their business because it was profitable work? Or are you just handling all the cheap work because that's, who's, that's the easy fruit? I, these are you, Only you can answer that. I'm sure of our listeners, we have the whole gamut. But it's, it's a good question to ask ourselves. I am interested um, on the number side of things, though, if you want to, um, if you had any other numbers that you could share with us, Austin. Yeah, so I just have, um, I have a couple more here. Um, just a couple of little quick tidbits. So, you know, I think with the service station side, we all know this a little bit. I think everyone in the industry knows this. The, uh, the most calls for a service we get um, are on Mondays. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, interestingly enough, the average customer from the time that they view a bid to the time that they book it, um, if it's pretty close to immediate, it takes them about 
29 hours to uh to book a, to book a service right so from the time they open a bid to the time they close it and then go back to rebook it it takes about a, a day and change um so what that has led us to realize is that um tuesdays so here's a fun little tidbit mondays have the greatest hot calls for service they also have the greatest booking rates compared to the rest of the weeks for phone calls but Tuesdays are actually the most significant days for customers uh, booking online. And on both sides, customers calling a provider, a provider calling a customer, or a customer booking online, the time frames are uh, the best time frames are between noon and 2 p.m. local time. So whatever your local time is between noon and 2 p.m. Um, on a Tuesday is, is uh, really when you want to get a customer. And it's actually, 20, it's actually a little bit of about a day after you send them a bid. Um, and so what we found, right, is we have this, this you know, hour follow-up, we have a, a day follow-up, we have seven days, we have 30 days. And um, if you take your whole universe of jobs that you're going to close, within that first hour, uh, you're going to get 73% of them closed. So interacting with a customer in their home, sending them a bid, that first hour is, is, is really crucial. And then this first to second hour, you kind of see this little spike of, you know, 7% growth in the amount of jobs that you're going to get. Um, so that, that one hour follow-up is really good for getting customers to engage with you and really good at closing. Um, the one day follow-up, we also see a lot of engagement. Customers will click on it, they'll open a bid, they'll look at a bid. Um, and, but that's the point where the 29 hours grows a little bit to be you know, about 40 hours. So really you're looking at like day, day three here to, being, to following up with customers. Um, so you know, one hour is really effective at closing at that time. One day is really effective at getting engagement and then closing, you know, a day or two later. Um, and then actually after day six, we don't really see a lot of benefit um, in, in automated follow-ups. We see a lot of engagement, right? Customers will still click the bid. They'll still look at it, but they don't uh, book as often after day six. And that makes sense if you think about it, right? So day five, you know, day one is Monday's the most common, right? So I go in on Monday and I call and I need my service. By day six, I've hit Saturday. So now I'm at the weekend, then day seven, Sunday, and then by Monday, I've forgotten about it. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, day seven and day 30, the follow-up isn't as effective. It's good at getting engagement, but it's not as, as effective as getting customers to close. So if you're sitting there being like, okay, when do I call? When do I uh, send a message, et cetera? You really want to start calling um, the Monday after someone, uh, Monday or Tuesday after someone you've sent a bid, right? So give them that seven-day period um, and begin calling them because after that six-day time period, phone calls become, uh, become really effective. Um, so and that's, just, that's and just to give some and just to give some context around this, guys, this is these these numbers are focused around um, service work and repair. You can extrapolate them to most industries, uh, most service companies, um, and so it's, for most of us listening, that's our jam. You know, the two hundred to thousand dollar price point. Um, stats. And, you know, it's funny is, and, and I know those of you listening are feeling the same way I am. We know this in our gut. We know what he's saying is true. So to have a statistician, to have somebody come in, run this, the detailed numbers and Austin knows his numbers to run the numbers and see that it validates what we know is to be true. Uh, you know, I just feel like the, the big hurdle is to be able to find that program like Big Clips to get your automation going, you know, take that step now to say, let's do this because we know it's going to work. And if some of you have bigger projects like the 10,000 to like 30,000 price point, it's even more important to make sure those follow-up cadences go out a little further because the bigger the project, the bigger the relationship buying cycle can be. So mm -hmm. you can adapt it to your industry as you're listening to this, but just know all industry-wide, that first hour is so powerful. I used to hate that because I was like, well, I don't want to be pestering them. Well, Mickey said she called six. So they're call that takes about an hour, right? Mickey, to call everybody. Mm -hmm. There's no better time than to be the one that follows up right as she finishes and her notepad's full of pricing to be that person that says, hey, Mickey, it's Jim. You know, hey, what'd you find out there? We'd love to earn your business. I mean, okay, I don't want to... I'm going with you, man. I'm done. This was a heck of an exercise. And thanks a lot for showing me you care enough to check in. So we have mm -hmm. to break our mentalities. We have to, we know it's true, everybody. So make it automated, make it happen. Lean on the data. Don't just lean on your fears, which sometimes keep us from doing it. Those are really cool numbers, Austin. 
really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, we're going to have, um, again, another blog post where I'll have a lot of nice graphs here talking about specific, um, specific data points, you know, findings that we're seeing in it. Um, and then, you know, maybe turning that into a white paper and, and doing some more expansive research into this topic. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I don't, I, um, I have more numbers here, but I think, um, I think it'd be best if, uh, we just, um, yeah, let's let's do this. Let's let's leave, let let's get that out there, and then let's uh, you know those of you listening, let's email us in. Say we want to know more about this. Um, you can find us at todayintrades.com. You can find us on bidclips.com. Send us a message and say we want to know more. Give dive in more. We were building this podcast around you, the workers, around the entrepreneurs, the the, the one in four. They're going to make this business a, a heck of a business over this next ten years. And I'm really proud to walk with all of you through that. I know Mickey is as well. And this is what we do. This is what we all do as a career. And so we're excited to to begin this journey. I'm with you. If some of you are sitting here in this call and you're like, yeah, I like this. I like this a lot and you have a whole pile of follow-ups that have been piled up from just two really good years in the service industry for the most of us um don't write off the ones that are six months old make sure you didn't hear austin incorrectly meaning the follow-ups are still a, a thousand percent valid especially if you've done nothing um, it's still worth getting it out there and worst case scenario they see your brand they see a good presentation of who you are. If you want us to help with that, reach out to Big Clips. If you um, want to talk to your marketer or your pay-per-click company, there's a lot of ways to get it done. But as an industry, we have to get that done. We've got to create these jobs and move it forward. So yeah, awesome. We look forward to that paper. Um, and we look forward to the blog posts. And uh, um, I'm really excited that uh, we have this topic today. Um, and I'm going to finish my last sip of this Smirnoff ice and uh, Mickey, if you have any other or questions or thoughts, definitely pipe in while I take this disgusting last drink. Cause now it is warm. Um, I mean, I think I'm good. I'm just, um, just want to say thank you to Austin for um, coming on today and sharing all of your, um, your math. knowledge. Just go ahead and call it math. And, hey, you just yeah. dropped the best math on us ever. <laughs> yeah, no, it was very, it was really, uh, it was a really good discussion, I feel like. And I, I mean, I learned a lot. So I'm sure other people that are listening are definitely gonna take something from it as well. Well, as an entrepreneur, it gets me excited. It gets me, it gives me hope, which we need right now um, in this time more than ever. Because we hope that there are, there's going to be calls. There's going to be leads. I want to make sure that I, that myself and our listeners and our, our users are prepared, that we're prepared to compete, uh, whether that's icing each other um, with Smirnoff ices or competing with, with the best product possible. So I think also not just entrepreneurs, but just people that work in the industry yeah. too, because I mean, I don't own a business. I work for, you know, one of these, com this company and, um, but the way that I am, and I think a lot of people are, is I feel like it's my company and I treat it like it's my company. And I think a lot of, you know, mm -hmm. workers do that. So not just for entrepreneurs, but the people that are, that are, you know, that are working and that are making those phone calls as well. I think it's just as great important for them. Yeah, a great point. And if you're sitting there right now, you're an ISR, inside sales rep or a secretary, mm -hmm. make some phone calls, take on this and your, your the owners and your teammates are going to be more than happy to have the work coming in and customers that are happy. And so, um, yep. good. We look forward to many more podcasts at todayintrades.com. Um, find us, follow us, uh, listen to us, um, give us feedback, good, bad, and the ugly. Tell us what you want to hear. Um, Thank you to Austin and thank you to BidClips for making this possible. Um, just a fantastic company. Um, we aren't just a, a product to sell. We're a whole culture and we're there to serve this industry, to serve the, the trade business. So um, we'll look forward to next week. And thank you so much, Austin, for joining us. Yes, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Austin. Thanks, Bye, everybody. Thanks,